All right, Luke chapter 2, we're going verse by verse through the word here in Luke on Wednesdays, and I titled it Starting Right, and uh, I think we'll understand a little more as we get through this on on why that is, but let's go ahead and just start Luke chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to talk about the time of Jesus' birth at verse 1. It says, and it came to pass in those days... Uh, that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Actually, let's slow down a little bit. Notice it said, in those days. Uh, This is when Rome was rising up to power uh, to be really the uh, world-dominating empire, basically, of the world here. And then here's uh, Caesar Augustus, right? This is a... Gaius, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Gaius uh, Octavius, would, he would be the first emperor of Rome, and he was a, the adopted great nephew of C, uh, Julius Caesar, actually. So if you guys are into history, uh, this is some pretty cool stuff right here. Uh, but during these days, he issued this decree to go to the families where he came uh, from and, and register, right, and mainly for the purposes of uh, well, taxes, but also for war, right? So you know who, who you got and who's the man and, and who's over 20 and whatnot. And, and uh, so let's go to verse 2. It says, This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. And so Quirinius was governing Syria at that time. You guys like my commentary? Is that pretty simple? Okay. I didn't know what to say there, so I just figured I'd repeat myself. Um, so verse 3, it says, and now verse 3, by the way, through verse 5, it's talking about the place of his birth. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And notice, Joseph went to register with Mary, his fiancée, right? Because they weren't married yet. They were... um, engaged at this time and so both of them by the way were of the lineage of David interesting Bethlehem is about five miles south of Jerusalem and is 70 miles south of Nazareth I did a little google search from uh, uh, Nazareth and Bethlehem I came up with about 97 miles it was a different little route there but you can imagine just it's it's long let's just say that um, so traveling by foot or by donkey, whatever it was, uh, it was a long travel there. And, and Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says that the Messiah must be born in Bethlehem. And this requirement to register was really by the hand of God and, and using this worldly leader to just somehow that thought got in his head, and he was like, oh, we need to get everybody registered. And, and it, was, it was by the hand of God. And this comforts my heart, knowing that God is in complete control today. Amen, church? Even of the government and, and the, the world leaders and the dominating leaders, you know, they're getting together and they're saying, let's do this, and oh, let's do that. And maybe you guys are like me watching YouTube videos and they're, you know, you're like, oh, they're so evil. <laughs> you know, and you probably get depressed and sad and like, oh, what are we going to do? But Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. And, and so these world leaders, they're really like if puppets, if you think about it, to the Lord. God knows exactly what he's doing with them. In Romans 13.1, it says at the end, And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. And so God has appointed them whether we like it or not whether we are all I don't think so right Um, we don't have to panic and get depressed you know when it comes to the politics of the world Um, we we look at what's ahead um, 
And that's Christ, right? As believers, we're looking to the Lord. We're not looking to our leadership of the government. We know where the government's heading, right? As a, as a biblical church, verse by verse, we know that there's going to be a one-world government. We see the stuff happening now. We, we see a one-world uh, economy, right? One-world money system taking a, a hand right now. There's a lot of things that are happening before our eyes we were able to see Israel becoming a nation again, and now everything's happening at a rapid pace where we're like, ah, it's, it's, it's exciting times that we're in. It really is. Um, but the good thing is, we, well, our mindset is kind of like, it's kind of, if you guys play checkers, play checkers with my kids, they love playing it, but you, you really think one step at a time, right, when you're playing it. But the Lord is almost like playing chess, right, where he's He's not only like five or seven steps ahead of you, he already won the game. Right? So, amen. So we are, we're not working for victory, we're working from victory because we're already victorious in Christ Jesus, right? And so the, the war, it's already been done. To tell us that, it was the finished work at the cross uh, of Calvary. So we know from beginning to end, we see uh, everything unraveling, but we see Christ in all of it, right? As believers, we don't see, uh, you know, things like the world sees, where they get in a big panic and a big uproar, and then they're they're trying to tell you all the stuff that's going on, but they leave you hanging dry, don't they? But as a believer, we don't leave you hanging dry. We say, hey, this is going to happen, but comfort one another with these words, right? Um, and, and yet, because we know it's about Jesus. This whole story is about Christ. And so let's look at Jesus' birth, uh, really the events of his birth. This is going to be in verses 6 and 7. Uh, in verse 6 it says, And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, uh, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, because she had more, more kids, right? So it says firstborn. And wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger be, uh, because there was no room for them in the inn. Um, Bethlehem obviously was packed at this time. And when Jesus was born, um, he wasn't born in a palace you know, he was born in a barn. He was born uh, among animals, the haze on the floor. But I think about it, we all know the scenery, right? But I think about it and I'm like, man, this is interesting because there was no parade at this time, right? There was not, the whole world didn't come and watch. The whole world didn't give gifts. You know, uh, my wife, when we had uh, our firstborn, we had all kinds of gifts. It was like, it was amazing, right? And we don't even know that much people. And it was like, we were like, wow, how cool is that? Uh, but, but you would think God, the God of the world, of all creation, all creation would come to him at this point. And yet, it's a silent night. Nobody's coming. It's, there's nothing but animal sounds and animal smells and right? it's cold outside and and it's so and then lying down uh, Jesus in a dirty hewn uh, a trough right and this all speaks really of the humility of the Messiah right that that he would when he came he came in humility in Matthew chapter 20 verse 28 uh, just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This was the purpose of why Jesus came. It wasn't to be served, but rather to serve, to give, right? And, and give his heart. Philippians 2, 7, speaking of his humility, it says, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So he came in humility and he went out in humility, right? And, and according to 1 Peter chapter uh, 5, verse 5 in James 4, 6, it says that God, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, very interesting. And notice, by the way, in verse 7, it says that, you know, after Mary, well, first of all, after she, she traveled over 70 miles 
being pregnant, I mean, that alone is a journey, right? And, and after that, it says she brought forth her firstborn son. Um, and she, so she gave birth, right? And I was just thinking a year ago, my wife gave birth. And we, we thought we had everything ready, right? It was perfect. We had the, had the lights on, had the worship music going, the lights were dim. And, and, uh, you know, and then my wife's going through labor. And so, of course, I'm panicking, trying to get everything ready. And, and of course, I didn't drink any water, so I'm feeling dizzy. And she's like, did you get the humidifier from upstairs? Oh, I'll go get it. I go up there, and it's all filled up with water, right? And so I'm like, oh, I got this. And I'm going down the stairs, and all of a sudden I slip, right? And this thing goes straight up in the air. And and for some reason, the Lord decided to give me a little pause during that time. You see that? It's going to hit you right there in the head. Ready? You're probably going to use this as an illustration one day. So pay attention. And I was like, wow. And then, of course, right, it's filled with water. It's all heavy. And boom, right in the face, and then I fall down, my, my, my head hits the floor, um, water covered all over the place, and I'm panicking, you know, and my poor wife's like, are you okay? And she's, she can't help me, right? And I'm stuck on the, oh, my guy. And then the midwife gets there, and she's like, did her water break? I was like, my water broke too. <laughs> oh, man, you know, it was so dramatic. But I could just imagine, no, no pregnancy is never not dramatic, right? I mean, I think we all got stories to tell. But so hers is, is pretty dramatic here. So much going on. But notice that she gave birth and she wrapped him. She laid him in a manger. Do you guys catch this? This shows that she didn't have servants to serve her, right? It was just them, them alone. You would think that when she found out she would give birth to the Messiah, that everything in life would just, you know, Go, you just cruise into cruise control and everything would be easier in life, you know, and that's what we think sometimes, right? The moment you gave your life to the Lord, did everything get easier or did everything get hard? It got hard, right? It sure did. And, and, uh, but that's not the case, right? Everything didn't get easier and she would be, in fact, she would be serving others during her pregnancy. Uh, remember her cousin Elizabeth, or yes. Right, yeah. Um, but so she's serving her while she's pregnant. What? Wow! How cool is that? And she would give birth in a stable. But she's. This is just so cool here. So the moment you step into the game, though, as a believer, um, things start to get a little more upbeat, don't they, in, in your life? I just encouraged the men on Saturday at men's prayer. I was like, you, you want some spiritual warfare? Try reading the Bible with your wife, right? And it, hey, you know what's going to happen? It's not the wife, right? It's not the man either, but it's spiritual warfare. It just starts, you start praying with your what, your, your spouse, what's going to happen? Stuff is just going to be in an uproar, and you'll be like, where did that come from? Right? Oh, duh, right? It's spiritual warfare. You start praying, the enemy gets mad and angry, and, and, and he's going to come at you at all different, the phone's going to start ringing that never rings, right? There's going to be all kinds of stuff happening that never happens the moment you start to draw near the Lord, the moment you start to serve him, the moment you start to read more, pray more, give more, step out in faith more. In fact, First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. Lord, something strange is happening to me right now. <laughs> right? He's like, oh, oh, that's normal. Right? So trials... Trials are normal for us believers, and we know this, right? John 16, 33, um, Jesus said, you will have tribulation, right? But be of good cheer. I'm with you, right? The Lord's here with us. He's overcome the world. And, and so just understand, um, you and me, when we are in Christ Jesus, though, and when we step out in faith, when we begin to draw near to him, he draws near to us, the enemy's going to step it up. But in the midst of all that, you can praise the Lord in the midst of all that. And guess what? You're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. In fact, every gift that, that he has for you is now enabled. Now you're accessing into things that are, you're tapping into things that are, that are really of the Lord and of what he wants to do in and through our lives as believers, you become equipped 
as a believer to the fullness of what God wants you to be in this, in this life as a Christian. And, and no longer is it like the question, Lord, what do you want me to do? It's you're doing it. That's what it, what's happening right now, right? You're drawing near to him, John 15. As you abide in him, he's going to abide in you, and he's going to do a mighty work. Um, but notice, look at verses 8 and 9. Notice the, the, the fear at his birth here. Um, Look at verse 8. It says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Wow, would be too, right? But this is a normal response, by the way, when an angel of the Lord uh, reveals himself, uh, transforms itself in, into where we can see it with our own physical eyes. Uh, people are terrified. And, and in that culture back then, by the way, shepherds, these shepherds that the angel uh, revealed itself to, they were the lowest position of job that you can get back in the day so they weren't looked at as like today I look at I'm like shepherds and I'm like yeah right I, I I light up but back then it was like the poorest of the poorest job right it was the stinky job you're hanging around with animals you're oh that guy must be a shepherd right and and it was just not a fun thing but again I point that out because this speaks of Jesus's humility I mean, really look and think and, and ponder about this, that the common man would come to him. You know, I just shared you that scripture that he would take on the form of a bondservant, becoming like man, right, and, and like us. But it's interesting that Jesus would be our great shepherd. According to Hebrews 13, verse 20, and in 1 Peter 5, 4, he is the chief shepherd, and in uh, John 10, 11, he's the good shepherd. Ezekiel 34, verse 23, he's, the, he's God's shepherd. And so in other words, the, the great shepherd, right, according to Hebrews 13, verse 20, lives for the sheep. The, the chief shepherd, 1 Peter 5, 4, uh, will come for his sheep. And the good shepherd, John 10, 11, will die for his sheep. And God's shepherd, according to Ezekiel 34, thir, uh, 23, will bring peace to his sheep. And, and I just, I'm, I'm encouraged with that. But let's look at the joy because of his birth, the joy because of his birth. Notice in verse 10 and 11, it says, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now the reason for this great joy is because God sent himself as a savior right to mankind to redeem mankind and notice at the end of verse 10 this redemption who is it for is it for just a certain elect of people it's for all did you guys catch that it's for all people and according to uh first timothy chapter 2 verse 4 it says who desi who desire jesus desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is God's desire. This is his heart. What does he want? What is his will? Well, that all men would come to the knowledge of who he is, right? That they would know the truth. And in John three seventeen, it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so truly there is great joy in knowing his salvation, right? That's, that is in him, by the way. It's only in Christ Jesus and in no other. There's no other way, no other person, no other thing, nothing. But Jesus, right, is, is how we have salvation. And let's see the, the praise because of his birth right here. Look at, look at verse 12. It says, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now, 
a multitude of angels showed up to praise the Lord because, well, obviously only the Messiah uh, would bring true peace to this world. And, and I think it's interesting because we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, right? And Jesus said he is our peace. And, and in other words, when we're praying for the peace of Jerusalem, we're not praying for some kind of weird calmness to happen and, and the violent people would just stop all of a sudden and stop being violent. We're, we're praying for peace. In other words, we're praying for a person. We're praying, praying that salvation would be found, that they would find the true peace because true peace can only be found in who? In Jesus, that's right. And so we're praying for really their salvation, that they would come to faith in Christ Jesus. And um, so it's interesting. No, no man can ever bring this peace. No treaty can ever bring this peace. Amen. There's a lot of people that get concerned. There's a treaty coming up. I wonder if it's going to bring peace. No, it's not. All right. It's only Jesus. But let's let's see the proclamation of, of Jesus' birth right here. Look at verse 15. It says, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. By the way, no, not all three of them were in the manger, okay? In case any of you guys have to ask later on, I'll just throw that out there. I just went on a date night with my wife, uh, eight years anniversary, right? Happy anniversary, babe. Uh, but I came home and my mom was like, oh, all, all three of the kids were in the crib. And I was like, what? <laughs> Did it break, right? I was like, what? And then it was, I started to study this and I was like, oh, that's funny, all three of them, uh, but it, it really, they're not all three in the manger. You guys with me? Just joking. There was just the baby, right? And the baby was only lying in there. Um, but notice uh, they made haste to find Jesus, right? And uh, notice in verse 17, it says, Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And so... They made haste to find Jesus, and next thing we know, they're making widely known uh, who Jesus is, right? And we need to do the same thing. We need to tell people about Jesus. We can't freeze up and fall apart, right? If, if Jesus is coming to your life and he's really truly had an impact in your life and you tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that's like robbery, to not tell somebody about Jesus, right? That's, it's like, it's horrible uh, to see somebody and knowing that if they don't know the Lord and if they were to go and get hit by a car right then and there, their life is not going to be in heaven, right? If they don't know the Lord, they're going to be far from the Lord. And, and it's our part, guys, to share, to shine. To Jesus says, let your light so shine before men, right? That they may see your good works, and so, in other words, not your words, but live out your life, and at, but you got to proclaim. Jesus said, go therefore and preach. How do you preach? Right? Unless you're, you're deaf, then you still preach, right? You're still using your hands, but you're to give and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Notice in verses 18 through 20, they're going to marvel at his birth. Uh, notice in verse 18, it says, And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things, and she pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And so most believe Mary at this time, she's you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 possibly at this time. And she pondered these things. When everyone else marveled at these things, she kept it in her heart, right? And, and, and pondered, huh, it's interesting, right? But she kept it within her heart. But notice Joseph and Mary's obedience to God. Notice in verse 21, it says, And when eight days were completed for the, the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus. 
The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So the eighth day, well, this was common for the Jews to circumcise their, 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 their sons, right? In Genesis 17, God gave them this to simply be set apart from the whole world. But also he uh, gave it to them as a sign uh, as a, and a reminder not to live on in the flesh, but rather live on in the spirit and, and, uh, and glorify God in the spirit. But they, they obeyed the Lord in giving him the name Jesus. I, I was thinking, I don't know if you guys think the way I do, but I was like, what if they named him something else? <laughs> like, that would have been not good at all. Uh, but I'm not going to go there. Yikes, right? But they were obedient, right? The angel said, and his name shall be Jesus, right? And Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. And salvation would be found only through Jesus. And there's no other power, no other name given among men by which we might be saved, right? Acts 4.12, that says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Amen, church? Amen. And so they were also obedient, by the way, in purification. Notice in verse 22, it says, now in the, the days of her purification, a, a, according to the law of Moses, were completed. By the way, let's just pause right there. This is outlined for us in um, Leviticus chapter 12, verses 2 through 7. And it was after the birth of a son, you know, she, the woman, would be unclean for seven days and then for another 33 days after the seven days so really in reality it was 40 days she would be unclean after having a child a, 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 a son and if she gave birth to a girl it would really be double that right so instead of 40 it would be 80 days you would be unclean and so I don't don't ask me why I don't know but you guys can look that up on your own. But notice, let's go on in verse 22. Um, they were also obedient, not only in the purification, not all, obviously uh, they were obedient to God in giving the name as well, but they're also obedient to the dedication. Notice it says in verse 22, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Now, notice, so after the days of purification, they bring him to the temple to dedicate him onto the Lord. And this is what we do as a church, right, where we have baby dedications. We're recognizing that they're the Lord's, right? They're simply the Lord's. We're not uh, dedicating the child for salvation's sake, that has nothing to do with your, the child's salvation. Um, but, uh, and it's interesting, by the way, last night we were, we were just talking, my wife and I, about um, our kids are not our own. They're, they're the Lord's. You know, if the Lord decided at any moment he wants to just take them out of this world, he has full rights to do that. Here we are, we dedicated them to the Lord, right? We said, Lord, here, here they are, they're yours. Do with them as you please, whatever you will. Right, but and God is just, and He will deal with them. However, whatever pleases Him, and that's I'm Amen to whatever it is He wants to do, because He's God. Right? They're they're not mine. They were never mine in the moment they were born. Right? God, we prayed. I know people have been praying for years for children, and it's not like you could just have a child. It really is a gift. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of Lights. Amen. And and man, what a blessing it is too to have a child. But um, anyways, um, I get carried up. I just drink coffee, guys. Are you guys with me? I should slow down. Kind of, all right, we're done with the study already. We got, it's only been 28 minutes. No, we're not. Um, but let's slow down a little bit here. Notice the parents were also obedient to sacrifice as well. Notice in verse 24, it says, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So Leviticus chapter 12, verse 8, uh, they would bring a lamb for a burnt offering. And 
turtle doves for a sin offering. And so those who are wealthy, they would be able to get a spotless uh, lamb, right? Pure, spotless. There was all kinds of things that went with the ceremonial uh, sacrifice. And, but in order to purchase, especially at the time that she would be purchasing this lamb, um, it wouldn't be just out in the field anywhere. You would have to go to the priest who already inspected it. And as they inspected these specific lambs, they would raise up the price, right? And so really if the lamb was like five bucks, right, it would be maybe like $1,500, right? Something just crazy up there where they're like, yeah, then we got to put the temple tax on there and then we got to do, and we did all this labor. And, and so anyways, a lamb would be very, very expensive to offer uh, with, with the baby dedication as well. So if they were rich, they would bring in a pure lamb. So obviously Joseph and Mary, what did it just say that they brought? Did they bring a lamb? No, it, they brought um, the, the turtle, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, if you will. But if they were rich, they would have brought in, you know, the lamb. So immediately, a lot of people, they think, you know, man, they, they were rich at this time. I mean, think about it. The wise men, didn't they come to them, her, and they brought the gold, the myrrh, the, the frankincense, right? And, and uh, they blessed uh, Joseph and Mary, Right. No, it's because you guys are a Bible church. That's why. Good job, you guys. Man, can't get you. But yeah, the child was about, Jesus was about three years old. So before that, before, that's when the wise men actually came to Jesus. It wasn't when he was a baby like our, uh, like our Christmas card show, right? Or the Christmas movies and stuff. They just want to jam-pack it all right there in the beginning. But it was the wise men that came later. It was the shepherds that came, uh, right, which we just saw right now. But uh, very interesting. So they were poor. Joseph and Mary, by the way, they were also obedient to the law. Let me take you on a little sidetrack here. Turn to, look at verse 39. Verse 39, uh, about a page or not to your right. Um, But notice it says, So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. But the law, right, um, they fulfilled all the law. They were perfect in the law. But notice we know, and I'll skip all the, the details about it for another time, but Jesus fulfills all the law. How is it that they can fulfill all the law? Well, how is it that we can fulfill all the law today? Jesus summed it up and, and what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? With everything and your neighbor as yourself, right? And, and so the law, according to Romans 7, verse 12 and verse 14, the law is holy the law is just the law is righteous the law is pure the law is perfect and since it's a it's a picture of god uh, jesus came as god taking on the nature of man right and so for us today if we love the lord and we love our neighbor as ourselves, uh, we will fulfill all the law as well and the holy spirit and that's the reason why and how we can even fulfill the, the law uh, and, and we can't fulfill the law, by the way. I'm just throwing that out you at your flesh and in of yourself. We, we are, we can't. And, but the law is our schoolmaster. It's our teacher. And it's always pointing us to Jesus, right? You fall down, you gotta look up. And the law says, you need to look to Christ, buddy. Yeah, you know, we, we're, we're, we're insufficient. But his grace is sufficient. And it's the Holy Spirit in our hearts that enables us, empowers us, uh, to see clearly the things that God wants to do in our lives through, uh, fulfilling the law. So it's him, performing what is good in us. Amen? Men church, you guys with me? So Matthew um, 22, uh, verse 40, that's where, uh, where it's talking about that. But for, for us, that's, it's a blessing. So let's look at Simeon. Uh, he was a man of God. Notice, and go back to verse 25. Verse 25, uh, it says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation, or the the Messiah, right, of Israel. 
and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So Simeon was faithful because he believed on God's Messiah. And, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was just, he was devout, he was patient, he was faithful, he was filled with the, the Holy Spirit living inside him. And Simeon, not only that, but he also heard from the Lord. Notice in verse 26, it says, and it had, ha had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord, the Lord's Christ, the Messiah, right? The, the, the consolation in verse 25 that he was waiting for. And this is interesting that the Bible would even throw him in here, right? And that there would be prophecy happening because of him. And, but he waited patiently. He was faithful unto the Lord. Therefore, he heard from the Lord. And I love that. We all need to learn to stop in our lives, our busy schedule, right? The this and the that and the, you know, what's next, right? And, ah, and your brain's going everywhere. But we need to stop and spend that quiet time with the Lord. Uh, the Bible says in Psalm 29 verse 2, Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Guys, it's okay to, to just stop and just talk to the Lord. If you're like me, I talk too much, as you can tell, right? <laughs> but, but I just talk, Lord, to my family, and then the people at church, and then blah, 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 and then I just got to stop, <gasps> right? And then I just got to, and it's like the Holy Spirit's like, Josh, just be quiet, right? And I'm like, what, what, what? Well, Psalm 29, verse 2, just it's okay, right, to be in the beauty of his holiness, to just stop and reflect on how great the Lord is, how wonderful he is, right? If you guys just stop and just, wow, be in all of his love, be in all of his truth, be in all of really who he is, the characteristics of who God is, right? The, the creation of mankind and the, the redeeming of mankind, the work that he's doing in and through the church today, and just, just to stop and just be like, wow, right? And the beauty of his holiness. I love that about the Lord. But that's what we need in our life. We need to hear from the Lord. And I think at those times, as we read the word, there's that still small voice where the Lord just speaks to your heart, right? And it could be in prayer. It could be in while you're just reading the word. Um, but those are the times that I see the Lord speaking to me the majority of the time when he speaks to me, right? Or if I'm singing to the Lord, it's like, wow, oh, whoa. <laughs> it's really, really cool. So Simeon, obviously he was blessed by the Lord. Notice in verse 27, it says, And so he came by the Spirit, notice by the Spirit, into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord no, so he's going to get prophesy now. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Um, let's slow down a little bit. Notice back in verse 32, it was no new thing, by the way, for the Gentiles to come to light in the Lord. The, the, the Old Testament talked about that the Gentiles, they would come to light. They would come to faith in Christ Jesus. Um, and notice in verse 31, this salvation was for just the Calvinist. Oops, sorry, did I say it out loud? This salvation was for all peoples, right? Not just some people. And, and by the way, Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Mark 8, 34, it says, when he had called the peoples to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever, can you guys say whoever? Say 
Whoever, right? Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So Jesus didn't just die for a few, but for all. Notice this. And John three sixteen and 17, we know that, right? It was for the whole world that he died. So if I can just squash that idea right there, right? The scripture, let the scripture speak for itself. Um, but let's, let's go on here. Simeon also, he prophesied about the Son of God. Notice in verse 33, again, Joseph and his mother, they're marveling right at those things which were spoken of by him. And look at verse 34. It says, Then Simeon blessed them, the parents, and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And so some, some will reject Jesus and fall, and others are going to accept and receive Jesus, and they're going to rise, right? According to verse 33, speaking of uh, the, our free will, right? But, but also our requirement for salvation. See, you're either 100% for him or you're not, right? You're either with him or you're not with him. First John chapter 5, verse 12 says, um, He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's a final, do you guys see the line drawn right there? That's pretty straightforward. You're, you either got him, buddy, or not. You're either living for him or you're not living for him. Oh, but I believe on him. I, I, I said, you know, this prayer, and I pray every day. I read the word every day, but I love my sin. I embrace it so much. It's like my baby. I can't give it up, right? It's my baby. Who, who's it? No, no, right? You're either for him or you're not, right? It's very, very clear. Uh, but notice in verse 35, Joseph and Mary will be peace to the heart at the cross is when we see that in reality in totality and I kind of picture him looking directly at Mary um, because it says in verse 34 and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary right specifically and and I think she she felt you know the that piercing within her heart big time but let's come to another another character here it's Anna um, and she was a prophetess notice in verse 36 it says, now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phineal, of the tribe of Asher, and she was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. Now, Phineal means the face of God. You guys remember in Genesis 32 when Jacob, he's wrestling with the Lord and he says, you know, I've seen God face to face. That's the wording right there, phanil, phanil. I don't know how to pronounce it, phanil or, but that's that word right there. And notice it's there uh, of the tribe of Asher. Um, Asher means happy, blessed. And in fact, we have a little Asher running around there in the children's ministry. Uh, but he he was the eighth son, Phanil, uh, of Jacob through Leah. And that tribe settled in the area of Ga uh, Galilee, by the way. So look at verse 36. It says, Now there was one Anna, prophetess, the daughter of Phanil, of the tribe of Asher, and she was of a great age and had lived with the husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but serve God with fastings and prayers night and day. So for all of you math people out there, it's 107 years old. Anna is 107 years old. And what got me excited here and just kind of like, wow, is what is she doing? Well, she's doing a bunch of things. But one of the things that caught my eye is she's fasting at 107 years old. Did you guys catch that? I like, I could come, Lord, I'm 33. I don't think I could fast like I used to back in the day. I mean, it's already been 43 minutes and I don't even know. I can't, right? But, 
she's 107 and she's fasting and, and seeking the Lord, but she's, she's a prophetess like Miriam in Exodus 15. She's a prophetess like Deborah in Judges chapter 4, uh, like Philip's four uh, daughters in Acts chapter uh, 21. But notice Anna, she was a servant. Did you guys catch that in verse 37? Um, but she served God, right? So she's a servant. She was fasting. She's 107 years old. Sorry, I've got to repeat myself there. I'm still fascinated. But notice how she served. She was faithful. She wasn't leaving the temple and where she was with the Lord. She also fasted from food, right? Or, or setting aside the physical, we would say, uh, for the, to the sake of focusing on the spiritual. That's really the idea of what fasting is. And so I encourage you guys, by the way, to seek the Lord in fasting. If this is a new concept to you, um, you know, abstain from the things of, of, of satisfying the flesh and giving to the flesh for the sake of satisfying the spirit, right? And walking in the spirit at, during that time. Uh, but anyways, she also prayed unto the Lord in her service to the Lord. She was faithful in her prayer, in her, in her, in her service, in her walk, and, and how she lived before the Lord. Some people, they... Uh, they fast, but they want everybody to know that they're fasting. They get their hair like this, right? Oh, they throw dirt in the air. They put on potato sackcloth, right? And they walk around and you're like, man. And they're thinking, right? Yeah, I'm just, I'm fasting right now. And oh, I'm just, you know, seeking the Lord. And they say all this Christian terminology. When in reality, what are we saying when we're looking at it? And we're like, you're dumb, right? <laughs> like, what are you doing, right? What does the Bible say? When you read the Bible, Jesus said, go wash your face, right? Go fix up your hair. Go put on your clothes. And, and don't let everybody know what you're doing. Go to your prayer closet, buddy, right? That's where the reward is. Stop going in public and being like, yeah, look at me, right? I went to Bible college, and that was like a common thing where everybody knew, oh, look, that he's fasting over there. Oh, look, he's fasting too. And they would be like, yeah, I'm fasting. Don't tell everybody that you're fasting, right? It's just, just keep it between you and the Lord. Anyways, let's, let's notice Anna was thankful. Notice in verse 38, and coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord, and, and already, right? What, she was grateful. Why? For, it was for the redemption Jesus would bring. Um, she also was faithful to share the word to those who were in her city. Notice in verse 38, it says, And spoke of him to all those who look for redemption in Jerusalem. So she couldn't help to share the good news about Jesus. And notice in verse 39, so when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. Now, you have a two-year gap, actually, within this verse right here. Um, in the first part and the second part here in verse 39, because it, it, there's a lot of stuff. They, they left Egypt, they went... Um, or I'm sorry, they left there in Israel. They went to Egypt. They came back. They actually went to Bethlehem. There's, there's a lot of things that happened within those two years. And then the wise men came. Um, and that's why we say three years um, of when the wise men came. That's how we know. So let's look at Jesus as a child. Notice in verse 40. It says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, in verse 52, look at verse 52. Skip down a little bit there. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So he grew in stature physically as well, right? And he grew up going through all the trials, all the temptations that you and I go through. He didn't fall into temptation, right? Because he was perfect. But he went through all of it so that he can relate to you and I we can relate to him um, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 it says for we do not have a high priest 
who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So he knows what we're going through and he'll never allow us to go through more than what we can handle. And so praise the Lord for that. But notice in verse 40, Jesus became strong in spirits. And just like John the Baptist, he was strong in spirit, according to Luke chapter 1, verse 80. Um, But in other words, he was weak in spirit in the early stages of his life as a child, as a baby, which is, I don't know, it's interesting. But I I think it's referring to Jesus in operating in the spirit, opposed to the power of the flesh. In other words, he was not weak in the flesh to give into temptation like you and I are weak, you know. Amen, church? You guys are just like me, but I'll pray for you guys, okay? Um, But he chose daily to operate in the spirit instead of operating in the flesh. And so for us in this body, our flesh wars against the spirit, right? The Bible says, Galatians 5.17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. In Galatians 3.3, Paul understood this. You are Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, and are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Question mark. No, you can't do that. Coming to faith in the Lord is a work of the spirit in us, right? It's not a work of the flesh as if we can perform for God. We can't. And the only way we can be strengthened is by the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, Ephesians 3.16 says to be strengthened with might through his spirits, in the inner man. So it's only through his spirit that we can be strengthened. So if we try to be strengthened by the flesh, it's like playing with fake fire, right? You're going to, you're going to burn yourself out and it's just, it doesn't go, right? We got to wait on the Lord and, and, and it's by, um, what, Zechariah 4, 6, what does it say? Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Amen. So it's not by what we can do for the Lord, but what he's already done. Uh, But notice Jesus was strong also in wisdom as well. Back in verse 40, it says, filled with wisdom. And then go down back to verse 52. It says, Jesus increased in wisdom. Now, wisdom is the application of knowledge, right? I like to say knowledge is seeing a skunk and knowing it's a skunk. Wisdom is seeing a skunk and running, right? I'm out of here. That's wisdom because you're applying knowledge, right? You're taking it into action. So Jesus is applying what he already knows. You and I, we need wisdom for today. And it only comes from the Lord. James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And... Only the Lord could uh, grant you guys what you need when you need it. It's that empowerment that can only come through the Holy Spirit in our lives, right, as believers. And it, but it's from him, so keep that in mind. But let's look at verse 40 again. Jesus also became strong in another area, and that's in grace. He became, and this is where I started, like, scratching my head. I was like... That doesn't make sense. He became strong in grace. And notice it says, And the grace of God was upon him. Verse 52, it says, And in favor with God and men. And as as I was looking at the Greek wordings here, it's the same Greek word, charis. And mentioned 156 times in the New Testament means unmerited favor, getting what we don't deserve, right? And so we understand by grace, we've been saved for us as a church today, right? Um, Romans 3.24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We know Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, which says, by grace you have been saved through faith, right? So Jesus had grace, 
In other words, in verse 52, it says favor, which is really the exact same Chris word. So he had favor with God, and he had favor with man. Uh, very interesting. But let's look at the ministry of Jesus before he went public at age 30. Uh, and notice when his ministry began. Notice in verse 41, go back with me. It says his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. So this is the, the Passover. It's one of the seven uh, feasts of Judaism, right? It's, uh, three of those feasts out of the seven require mandatory attendance. So everybody had to come. This is the first, the, the middle, and the, the last feast of the seven feasts. And this is when Jesus started his ministry. And he wanted to start on Passover specifically. And this is the, you guys remember the night that the, the death angel passed over the Egyptians and took, took the firstborn. And, uh, but those who had the blood of the lamb on their doorpost were saved. The, the, the angel of death came by and passed over. So thus the Passover um, happened. So Jesus started on this day since it looks forward really to the conclusion of his ministry. When he, the lamb, right, he, Jesus, according to John chapter 1 verse 29, he's the lamb of God when he would be slain. Right? He'll give his life for you and I. That bloodshed would be now on our accounts. And so in other words, we're covered by his blood. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. We are now acting as his ambassador and not our own, right? And so his ministry began when he was 12 years old. Did you guys catch? Look at verse 42. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. So he was, he amazed the scholars of his day and, um, I'm amazed at my kids and how intelligent, you know, they, they grow so fast, they learn so fast. And by the way, pray for our children's ministry uh, because God's doing a work with them, right? Our kids are absorbing these things and we ought to do our part, right? Come alongside the ministry by prayer and, and, and thanking the Lord for them. But um, notice, um, by the way, mom and dad, it's never too late to teach your kids the word of God. If, if uh, Just throwing that out there while I got a chance. Um, continue to teach them and raise them up in the Lord. But let's look at this. This took place in the temple. Notice in verse 43, it says, When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. Um, and but supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. And so when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. And now, or now so was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. It's interesting that the parents were seeking after him in verse 45. And then on the third day, interesting, number three, the third day, that's when they found him in the sanctuary or in the temple, right? And I'm always reminded of David. And, you know, he's going through all this chaos and this stuff, but it, it wasn't until he came into the sanctuary that he realized, he, he believed on, you know, he just, it was just... His eyes were opened, and it was pretty cool. But Jesus was found, what was he doing? He was sitting, he was listening to the teachers. And this speaks of his humility, humility because he could have easily been answering these teachers and teaching these teachers because he is the word that they're speaking of, right? Jesus came in the flesh, John chapter 1, uh, John chapter 1, verse 1, 1, uh, 14. And so what an example that is for us to just stop and listen, right? What an example. God gave us two ears. He gave us one mouth, right? So I think there's some knowledge in that, wisdom. But we will be blessed to listen. And, but notice Jesus also, he's, he's asking questions. And even though he already knew the answer, he's asking them questions. And we ask God in prayer, not, in, in, you know, for our, or not for his benefit, but for our benefit is why we pray. It's why we ask the Lord questions. We are to constantly be praying, right, and seeking the Lord. Um, but notice in verse 47, Jesus was also 
answering them. It says, and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answered. So Jews, by the way, they answer by questions. You guys can read the book of Job and you could be like, why are they saying all these questions? Because that's how Jews talk. Right? They, 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 you ask them a question, they'll ask you, they'll tell you another question by answering it. And you're like, well, how come you just don't answer? Right? So, but Jesus at this time is answering them the way they're speaking. And so um, very interesting here. Um, but let's look at the ministry of Jesus. It involved God himself in verse 48. It says, so when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father, your father, interesting, because he's a, this is a, a, he's adopted, right? And she says, your father and I have sought you anxiously, right? She's a typical mother. In verse 49, and he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business, right? That's adopted, but my father, right? So he won up her here, um, but he's correcting her. And the very first words we hear from Jesus, by the way, did you guys, I had to take pause when I was studying here, and I was like, whoa, I had to back off. And I was like, this is the first words that are recorded for you and I to know about Jesus. And the very first thing Jesus wants us to know is that he was, well, first of all, there's the I am statement, right? I am, wow, about my father's business. But he's all about his father's business. In Luke chapter 1, Joseph and Mary, they knew who Jesus was, right? Because the angel said, you're going to have, you know, the Lord come in you. But now they learn what he's all about. And he makes it very clear. He's, he's about his father's business. John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. In John 6, 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And so what is the business of the father? What is his business, right? Uh, John chapter 6, verse 40, it says, And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. There's the business. That's his will, right? That we might have everlasting life. That life is in him. John 14, 6, he says he's the way, the truth, and the life, right? He is the business of, he's in the business of redeeming mankind back to himself. And in 2 Peter 3, 9, we know that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so, Notice verse 50. It says, but they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. He's 12 years old, right? They're like, wow. They're still marveling and pondering, right? Still at age 12. And, and then in verse 51, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subjected to them, right? So he obeyed them, stayed with them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. So she's still pondering here. And Jesus, he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men and so they didn't understand him at this point but we do right we're looking back at what Christ already did and and uh it's it, what a blessing right the the work of the cross and what Jesus has done all right you guys ready you think we can finish chapter three let's uh let's what <laughs> you guys all right stand up guys we'll just pray if we have to, right? It's a joy, guys. Thank you guys for allowing me to come here and, and uh, minister. As you guys are ministering to the Lord, we're all ministering to each other, right? And we come not to, not to be served, but we come to serve one another and using those gifts. And we come because we want to honor the Lord and bless the Lord. And it's a blessing for me to come alongside you guys in ministry as well. So I love you guys. I just want you to know that. Let's pray. Father, Thank you so much um, that I don't get booed when I come up. But no, really, Lord, thank you so much for the, the body of Christ, Lord, and uh, just how beautiful, Lord, the work that you're doing here in the church. And I just thank you that you're able 
uh, to perform what is good within us, Lord, that we might be enabled by your spirit to go into the world, go into Appleton, Lord, and preach the gospel, to be ready in season and out of season. Uh, Lord, when, when we're sick and we're falling apart and somebody asks uh, about the faith that we have in you, Lord, I pray that we would be able to present uh, the good news to them, knowing that it's not about us, it's about what you want to do in them as well, and in redeeming them back to yourself, Lord. So um, so use us, Father. Help us. Uh, we pray for your grace, Lord, to enable us, to strengthen us, to be able to stand, to be able to be bold in your presence, Lord, uh, to be able to be... Um, Lord, just impactful for the things of you. And uh, we just, we wait on you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So notice verse 50. It says, but they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. He's 12 years old, right? They're like, wow. They're still marveling and pondering, right? Still at age 12. And, and then in verse 51, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subjected to them, right? So he obeyed them, stayed with them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. So she's still pondering here. And Jesus, he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men and so they didn't understand him at this point but we do right we're looking back at what Christ already did and and uh it's it, what a blessing right the the work of the cross and what Jesus has done all right you guys ready you think we can finish chapter three let's uh let's what <laughs> you guys all right stand up guys we'll just pray if we have to right it's a joy, guys. Thank you guys for allowing me to come here and, and uh, minister as you guys are ministering to the Lord. We're all ministering to each other, right? And we come not to, not to be served, but we come to serve one another and using those gifts. And we come because we want to honor the Lord and bless the Lord. And it's a blessing for me to come alongside you guys in ministry as well. So I love you guys. I just want you to know that. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much um, that I don't get booed when I come up. But no, really, Lord, thank you so much for the, the body of Christ, Lord, and uh, just how beautiful, Lord, the work that you're doing here in the church. And I just thank you that you're able uh, to perform what is good within us, Lord, that we might be enabled by your spirit to go into the world, go into Appleton, Lord, and preach the gospel, to be ready in season and out of season. Uh, Lord, when, when we're sick and we're falling apart and somebody asks uh, about the faith that we have in you, Lord, I pray that we would be able to present uh, the good news to them, knowing that it's not about us, it's about what you want to do in them as well, and in redeeming them back to yourself, Lord. So, um, so use us, Father help us. Uh, we pray for your grace, Lord, to enable us, to strengthen us, to be able to stand, to be able to be bold in your presence, Lord, uh, to be able to be, um, Lord, just impactful for the things of you. And uh, we just, we wait on you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.